A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional support water bottle, and that steamy beet treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. Do you want to feel safe and sorrowful? Do you want to feel safe and full of shame? at the sacrifices made because of your demographics concerns? I don't. I'm tired of feeling like that. I don't want to feel like that anymore, and I certainly don't want my kids to feel like that. This is Sarah. And Beth. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. The home of grace-filled political conversations. everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pantsuit Politics. Today, we're going to talk about the unrest in Kenosha, Wisconsin, the hurricane in Texas and Louisiana, and the first three nights of the Republican National Convention. As happened last week, the schedule of the convention does not work very well with our schedule. So we are going to talk about the first three nights that we've watched. We will watch tonight. We're recording on Thursday, the final night, with hopefully many of you on hot mic. And if there's anything else we want to mention about that, we will do so on social media or on the show next week. 
But today, we're going to just cover what we've seen so far. I think we have a pretty good feel for what the thesis is from the RNC, and so we'll dive into that. Before we get started, we do want to talk about Hurricane Laura. This was a Category 4 hurricane that hit the coast of Texas and Louisiana, and we are just sending all our love and light to that area of the country. These storms are getting more intense. We're here celebrating the 15th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. And, you know, the governors are finding more intense ways of saying, no, for real, you guys, you have to evacuate. And it sounds like a lot of people listened. There will still be a massive amount of property damage. And there are already reports that several Americans have lost their lives. And so we're just thinking about the people of Texas and Louisiana right now. We're also thinking about the people of Kenosha, Wisconsin, and particularly Jacob Blake and his family, and everyone who is struggling in the unrest that has followed the shooting of Jacob Blake. You know, I have been really moved. Several of the email newsletters that I follow showed a particular business owner boarding up his business and then painting something beautiful on the front and talking about how he really wants people to have a different view of his town. This is a hard moment because reporting on it is challenging. It is easy to say we have protests that turn violent. And something that Sarah talked about on our Instagram morning news briefing that I think we should pick up on here is that it's not entirely accurate to say that protests turn violent. What is more accurate is to say that often protests are an opportunity for people who wish to do violence to show up and bring that to the place where protest is happening. And that certainly seems to be what's taken place in Kenosha, Wisconsin, as we have this 17-year-old who went as part of a militia effort from another state. And I don't want to talk about his name or give him any moment in the spotlight here because he walked into another state dressed to be a participant in a real-world video game and committed homicide. So it is really important to recognize that he is not a symptom of a protest turned violent. He is someone who brought violence to a place where protest was happening. I just I feel like when people talk about this, and particularly in that way, I kind of want to say, have you ever been to a protest? Like, I went to a protest in Paducah. There were some teenagers who were, you know, kind of hyped up on the energy afterwards. They drove around and they broke some windows. Are we one cohesive they? Am I responsible for their behavior? Is the Black Lives Matter movement responsible for their behavior, even though they say explicitly we are a decentralized, nonviolent movement? I just think about talking about protests as if it is this cohesive group and everyone moves as one. It's not, you know, it's kind of how I feel about conspiracies. Human beings don't work like that. We're a lot of things. Cohesive is often not one of them. And so I just I, I wish we could sort of strip that language. Oh, the protest turned violence. No, there was violence and there were peaceful protests. And let's make sure that we are being clear about what happened where and the factors that led to the violence and the fact that there were peaceful protests before or the fact that there were police officers present. What was their role? I mean, I just think there's all these inputs into a violent act. And to try to reduce it down to an easy storyline 
even when it serves, you know, your political purpose as the violence from the Bugaboo movement in Oakland and the violence here in Kenosha certainly does. Like, we just have to be really careful. And I totally agree, particularly about this kid, because that's what he was. A 17-year-old is a child. And so I just feel like we need to be really careful when we're talking about this. Now, I will say, Beth, I don't feel there was a lot of careful language in the first three nights of the Republican National Convention, particularly when it comes to this idea of violent protest and, quote unquote, law and order. No, and I want to be a realist. There are forms of protest that are not peaceful. And that happens. Mm. And I don't want to be accused of or actually denying that. But I do want to be clear around the fact we understand this in lots of contexts, that there are certain types of activity that create conditions that incite violence, that invite criminals into an easy opportunity. And yes, protest carries those risks. And a lot of the act of protest is deciding the message that I have to share is worth whatever risk comes to me as part of sharing it. And I think I feel very manipulated because it was clear to me watching the RNC that I am the intended audience for it. I'm almost 40. Mm -hmm. I live in the suburbs. I'm a white woman mm -hmm. with two small children. And I felt coming through the screen, this hand extended to say, don't you want everything in your life to stay as easy as possible. I think that was the question that was being asked to me and people in my demographic. Well, and don't you want to stay on top? I feel like that was the other question. Like, don't you want to stay in charge? Don't you want to be the group that makes the decisions and sets the priorities and reinforces the values. That's kind of what I felt, too. That's right. I mean, there was a, a woman who explicitly said, and I'm sorry that I don't have her name in front of me, who said, I think everybody should vote in this election in the interest of what's best for their families. And I just sat with her words for a second because I think that we do that. And that's why we have accepted a lot of things that are unacceptable, because those things are best for our particular families and not for the families of our neighbors. And when you have someone like Nikki Haley say in this really exasperated way, of course, Black Lives Matter, that of course, in the tone, I am learning to hear as, of course, Black Lives Matter, but not enough for me to have any risk in change, not enough to disrupt the status quo. And so when we talk about law and order, which, of course, like in a vacuum, I want businesses to not have to board their windows up. I want people to be able to safely be on the streets, whether that is in the context of protest or in the context of a kid riding a bike home from school or whatever it is. Of course, I want people to be safe in the streets. I also, though, think it is deliberately, willfully misleading to come through the TV as the Republican National Convention extending a hand to white suburban women like me saying, we can just keep the status quo and lock mm -hmm. up everybody who doesn't like it and things will be fine. Because yeah. the truth is, 
We're escalating right now in part because when police shoot a man like Jacob Blake in the back, we don't have leadership that will even say the words, let alone take the actions necessitated by that kind of injustice. I feel like there's a couple of things that really bother me about the way they were talking about the status quo, particularly with this sort of unrest. You know, you're right. Some types of protest bring the risk of violence. But it's like the presence of a crime, even during a protest, doesn't make every protester a criminal. And it's that leap of logic and that leap of talking about it when they they do this law and order dance that really bothers me. And the idea that law and order is not only white suburban women's priority, but it's their only priority. You know, I'm listening to the end of Nice White Parents and that moment where she says, well, they decided to to interact with the school system not as a consumer that wants the best for their kid, but as a citizen that wants the best for every kid. And I thought, I mean, we talk about that a lot here. We talk about politics as consumption. We talk about citizenship, obviously. And I just think like we all have to lean into that because fear will cloud our judgment Fear will cloud our friends and family members' judgment, and we have to keep speaking that word, speaking that priority out, because, one, it's not good for our children to prioritize their safety and comfort above all else. That's the first thing. That's not good or healthy for anybody. and. It's toxic. It's how we got here. You know, all this, is this 1968 again, drives me insane because it's not like we don't know how that ended. (laughs) We elected Richard Nixon and he was corrupt and unethical. We doubled down on incarceration and harassment of entire communities of our country. And this is how we got here. And you know what I don't want for my kids? I don't want them back here in 40 years bemoaning the state of race relations in the United States and worrying about law and order. I don't want that for them. I don't want that for them. And it's like this momentum, this narrative of like, are we just going to repeat this? Are we going to You know, is it really bad because this is happening in Wisconsin because, oh, my gosh, people just want to feel safe. Of course they want to feel safe. Everybody wants to feel safe. But is that all you want to feel? Do you want to feel safe and sorrowful? Do you want to feel safe and full of shame at the sacrifices made because of your demographics concerns? I don't. I'm tired of feeling like that. I don't want to feel like that anymore, and I certainly don't want my kids to feel like that. It's just exhausting. And I really wish we could flip the script instead of doubling down on all this language that was used at the convention. It is a false promise of safety, too, because safety for whom and from what? What Mm -hmm. messages have we sent a 17-year-old who straps on a rifle, drives to another state, and says, I'm here to defend the state? Like, that's not... There's nothing safe in that. When we have police officers who 
say to militia members, hey, thanks for hanging out here, that there's nothing safe in that. There is no safety here for my family or for anyone else's when that's the approach that we're taking. Yes, we have a right to defend ourselves and our property. And I think we need to question hard how far we go in defending our property, because I think other people matter more, even people who wish to do harm to our property. But we do not have a right to defend other people's property. We do not have any obligation or entitlement to grab our guns and drive wherever we think someone who looks different than we are have a message that might hypothetically be threatening to other people who look like us. This is a ridiculous framework for the world that we have created. And so, yes, I want law and order, but I want it to be a truer law and order than the one that we're being sold. But I I mean, I think it is important not to underestimate the effectiveness of this message Mm -hmm. to a certain part of the populace, because we you and I can sit here all day talking about how offensive we find it. And I do. It makes me mad. But there are people for whom that message gets in. And I think our role in our lives with those people who we love is to say, I hear you. I think that it is reasonable to be afraid when we see images like the ones that we're seeing on TV right now. Can I share other things that I think it's reasonable to be afraid of? I think it's reasonable to be afraid when you see people gunned down when they're turned away from police officers. You know, I think we just have to acknowledge that a lot of us are operating from a place of enormous fear right now. And of course we are because we're living through multiple pandemics and a true unrest, not just in our civilization, but in our planet. You know, there are just so many threats, more than our brains can even process. So when we're talking to someone who we love and truly do not understand, I think it's good for us to all just name our fears and put them on the table and say like, okay, now that we have all these fears on the table, what is the next step? Because staying where we are is not available to us and it is not desirable. Well, and I feel like there's sort of two groups I feel myself engaging with. I feel like they're the people I love who I do not understand where they're coming from, where I'm having to say, I don't understand why the 17-year-old shooter gets truckloads of benefit of the doubt, but Jacob Blake has to ascribe, you know, motives and explanations to his every movement. It feels like this attribution error that happens in our in-group, out-group. Like, he has all the excuses of the environment, but that guy was bad. And that drives me crazy, and that is exhausting, and I feel like there's a lot of that. To this moment in the Republican National Convention where you could he- you could feel them reaching out to white suburban women down to the, like, Trump is a champion of women. And basically, you don't have to feel bad for yourself if you want to vote for him. I just think it's imperative on us to have these conversations, not with people we fight with all the time and don't understand, but in these groups where we don't talk about politics because it makes everybody uncomfortable. Like, this is not 1968. We are different now. 
women are different now. And I think there is, I feel it when we when we hear from our listeners and in our messages and in our inbox, this desire to participate. And that doesn't just mean with people who want to talk politics. Sometimes it's going to be with people who don't. Because if not, the only narrative they're going to have in their head is the one they've heard over the last three nights. If you don't disrupt it and say, oh, no, I felt like they were trying to scare me or make me feel better for being scared and tell me it was okay, or paint this, you know, it's okay to feel good about America. It felt like this, this constant, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And, you know, it is okay to feel some of these things, but that can't be the end of it. Like that, that TV narrative cannot be the last thing people see or think about or engage with before they really make the call to who to vote for. Like this on the ground active citizenship where we converse with our people and say, I've been thinking about this. What do you think about it? Or I didn't really like being sold to. This is what I felt like they got wrong about what women like us care about. I just think that that's really, really important as this desired voting block. And I don't know what the viewership is like around the convention, but I think the themes of it really permeate conversations that I'm a part of anyway. I mean, I they they chose their themes deliberately because they feel there's something there. And I do think it's worthwhile to kind of go through, here's the Republican thesis, okay? And part of that is law and order. Part of it, and I, I felt assisted in finding language for this by Mary Trump's book, but part of it, I think, is what you said, Sarah, about feeling good about America, this sort of patriotism as like the power of positive thinking, that if we are just around like talking about all of America's flaws, did you ever watch Boston Legal? And like there was this character on Boston Legal, Denny Crane, who constantly called people a namby-pamby. I kept thinking of him as I watched the convention, like all the people who have any kind of critique of America are being namby-pambies. And there's this yep. sense that uh, what it means to be a patriot is to be insistent that there is mm-hmm. not a problem here. Not only are we not there's not a problem, but we are the best. We are the best. And if you don't think so, then you are the problem. You yes. you are the issue. If you think America has an issue, then you would be it. <laughs> and, you know, I, that's not how I want to raise my children. I don't want to be a person who thinks my kids are perfect and won't talk about any issues going on with them. I don't want to be a person who thinks I'm perfect. I don't want to think that about our business here. There are just not other places in my life. I don't want to be like that about the church. I want to be really open to critique of the church, both mine and the broader church. That's a really hard thing to crack, though, because not everyone I know could rattle off that list or would rattle off that list that I just did, right? There is a strong sense of identification in believing that what you have going on and what you're affiliated with is good. I was just having a discussion with someone about how sometimes it is hardest to root out racism in organizations that fulfill really important societal missions because everybody looks around and says, we're doing so much good here. What could be wrong? And 
we've scaled that up in America to there are so many great things about this country. What could be wrong? And I think that is a big and compelling part of the Republican thesis. And it is very hard to say, no, friends, I both love this country and want to insist that this country does a better job living up to its promise. I want to both love this country and leave it better than I found it. Yeah, it feels like if you criticize the institution, then there's this assumption that as a member of the institution, you are also flawed. I mean, first of all, it's like you said, that's actually true. None of us are perfect as church members, as school parents, as citizens. But that doesn't mean that we can't hold that tension, that we are proud of that role or our participation and that we see the fundamental flaws. Like I I just think, you know, we think we have to pick and that's where all the conflict comes from. Instead of saying, you know, I can feel both. I don't know if proud is the right word, but a sense of belonging to this place and also see that it is broken and in need of repair. Like both of those things can be true. And the the forceful narrative of like black, white, good, evil, pick a side, pick a side, pick a side. It just wears me out. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional support water bottle and that steamy beet treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high-quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is going by so quickly, and I had a little bit of a moment of panic about it this week. I thought to myself, I'm losing track of time. It's going so fast. It's going to be December before I know it. My kids are growing up, and I just kind of was spinning out. And I stopped, and I closed my eyes, and I pictured my last therapist, who I haven't seen since the end of 2020. But I remember the way he talked me through these issues and I sort of channeled his energy and put my feet on the ground and thought this is just how time feels now and there's nothing wrong with that or right about it. It just is. But those skills that I learned in therapy are so important to helping me take a second to celebrate what's going right and decide what I want to adjust for the rest of the year. If you're thinking of starting therapy, which I cannot recommend enough, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot pantsuit. 
The second most stressful thing after planning a trip is packing for it. This is true. This is a true story. I have just told you the clothes I have don't fit. They don't go together the way I want them to. Or I'm missing some essential piece. And then I discovered Quince. It's my go-to for high-quality vacation essentials. Like this premium European linen dress that's going to get us all through the heat wherever we're traveling. Blouses and shorts from $30. Washable silk tops. Premium luggage options and so much more. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than their similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I got big plans for my Quince chiffon pleated skirt in Japan. They like a loose, flowy look over there to battle the heat. I will be adopting that strategy with that skirt. Pack your bags with high quality essentials from Quince. Go to quince.com slash pantsuit for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash pantsuit to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash pantsuit. Can I talk about something else that really frustrated me about the Republican National Convention? I really, really disliked the use of the official duties of the president and the White House itself, which is our house. It's paid for by our money in such a political fashion, not to mention the secretary of state like that ran right over me. I cannot articulate how much I hated all that. You know what I think was almost helpful about it? It is such a clear encapsulation of how Donald Trump orients himself in the role of the president. Mm -hmm. That this is not his duty. It is his entitlement. This is not his job. It is his country now. And I think using the White House, using the Secretary of State, using powers of the presidency in a political convention so clearly previews for us what another four years of Donald Trump would look like. Because mm -hmm. there are no limits. There, there are actual laws preventing him from doing what he did, and he did it anyway. This is the person who's preaching law and order to us every day. There are actual yep. laws that say you cannot do what he did, and he did it anyway. And so he's telling us who he is and who he will continue to be and what the trajectory of that will look like, and we should believe him. Yeah. It's just, I feel like it's so disrespectful of the office, but I don't know why that it doesn't necessarily surprise me. It's like George Will said, like he has no bottom, expect it to get worse. But the just the flagrancy of it, the hail to the chief, the swearing people in as citizens and not telling them what you were going to use the video footage of is just. It's so infuriating and disrespectful to the office disrespectful to everybody who held it before and just disrespectful to the country. I don't know how to put it. Like, it's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. But you're right. I mean, that's not how he sees it. He sees it as his and his alone. Another aspect of the convention, and I can't believe I'm going to bring this up because, you know, I despise talking about it. 
was this theme of abortion as a top priority. And I thought it was really interesting how throughout the first three nights, at least, you had from speaker after speaker this almost explicit, hey, hey, I know you're really uncomfortable with Donald Trump, the man. I know you are. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter because of abortion. Yep. Over and over and over again. And look, we've talked about abortion here a million times, and it is probably not wise to reiterate all of my thoughts and feelings about this topic. But I know so many of you are struggling through these conversations, and some of you are struggling with this because of your sincerely held belief that abortion is wrong, that it is beyond wrong, that it is one of the wrongest wrongs. And and you're wondering, how do I deal with this? And all I can say at this point is that I think we need to evaluate what should be the top priority right now today. And whether we honestly believe that Donald Trump meets the top priorities right now today. And I think as you do that analysis, you can include in it a respect for human life defined quite broadly. The whole time I just thought these are what you think are the biggest problems and these are the only successes you want to harp on over and over and over again. Like we're in the middle of a global pandemic. We have natural disasters increasing in intensity, a racial reckoning. And I heard about that right to try law 16 times. And I don't want to downplay that. If you have a fatal cancer, there are policy complexities that we can debate about whether right to try is the best way to let those people get the treatments they want. But either way, like I don't know how in the face of all these overwhelming challenges with all these Americans thinking America's not headed in the right direction, like that's a success you want to bring up for four years, literally like five times. The listing of successes and the attention to problems. I mean, it wasn't until Melania came up that somebody even said, I want to express my sympathy to the hundred and thousand plus Americans who have lost their lives and their families due to COVID-19. Like I just, it's such a Weird prioritization that does not reflect my values at all when it comes to both the problems they were paying attention to and the solutions they were trying to take credit for. And I think it is just so indicative that we must find a new and better level of conversation around abortion because it is hard. It will always be hard. It should never stop being hard. And to have someone in a political convention with the microphone say that Joe Biden is Catholic in name only because of how he feels about legal restrictions on abortion to me, again, just tells us what we're designing here, everybody, is that you're with us or you're against us in every Mm -hmm. dimension, not just how we legislate, not just how we use the tools of the executive branch, but every cultural and economic and religious dimension. This is about deciding which side of the line you fall on. And we plan to continue to make this the biggest, boldest culture war we possibly can. And I just 
I don't want any more of that. I remember during the Kavanaugh hearing, someone did this amazing tweet about feeling like women were walking around with a swarm of bees in our mouths. And if we let our mouths open, the bees were just going to spill out everywhere. That is how the women I know are feeling again right now. For so Mm -hmm. many reasons, just the level of tension because we are trying to deal with decisions around school, because of our concerns about racism, because of our concerns about hurricanes and wildfires. It's just this swarm of bees. And when somebody says something like, I question this person's faith because of this stance, the bees start to leak out of my lips. I can't. That is not the kind of leadership that I want in this country. Here's the best part. In the midst of this take sides, there was this sub-narrative of, oh, and by the way, we are totally for free expression and we never participate in cancel culture and cancel culture is just the worst. Isn't it the worst, everybody? And I'm like, (laughs) wait, what? I am in an alternate universe. Like, I remember what happened to the chicks. That was like the first moment in cancel culture and it wasn't liberals doing it. Like, it just that like you're with us or against us there's all these lines in the sand you know it i know it but also free expression everybody has a right we let we totally welcome everybody and all their free expression to be however they want to be and we would never ever cancel people because we believe in free speech and free expression that's the part where my head started spinning around the opposite direction We got such a lovely message a while back from a listener named Morgan who put together a proposal for why we should talk about cancel culture here on the podcast. And it was so well thought out. And I think it really crystallized for me that cancel culture is another one of those labels that we've slapped on some this amorphous group of things to the point that it doesn't mean anything anymore. I think the way cancel culture is being used right now, there are governmental dimensions, but they are mostly business and cultural issues, right? Are we talking about free speech, actually, when we're talking about what you're allowed to wear to your job? No, that is not what the First Amendment concerns at all. Are we talking about liberty when we're discussing what Twitter chooses to promote or put a footnote on. No, that doesn't have anything to do with the First Amendment. But we've used cancel culture to like encompass everything from what happened to people held accountable through the Me Too movement to Nicholas Sandman, who had a speaking role, the Covington Catholic kid who had that viral moment with an indigenous man at the Lincoln Memorial to the Goodyear situation that the president is all upset about. I mean, that's too many things under one header. Those are not all the same things. What I think is at the root of it, again, is like, we don't want to feel any threat to our status quo. It's not about forgiveness and redemption, which I believe in so strongly. It is about protecting what we have, no matter what the cost is to anyone else. And again, that's a message that I cannot get on board with. Do we occasionally have a ridiculous, immature mob mentality on Twitter? Absolutely. I hate it when people circulate something and say, find out who this asshole is and do your thing, Twitter. I think that's awful. I think that has nothing to do with who we elect as president. That is a cultural issue. 
And I think that cultural issue is just being turned into sword and spear and shield uh, for Donald Trump right now in a way that is super disingenuous. I totally agree. I think it's an issue in some places, but it's it's too amorphous. It's people are using it to describe too many things. But it's going to clearly be, for better or for worse, a big part of his reelection campaign. And so I think we have to figure out how to articulate, you know, I'm not really sure what we're talking about with cancel culture anymore. Or to say, you're right, there is always a place for redemption in our culture and our society, even on Twitter. But I don't think that means they're going to stop banging that drum. I think they're definitely going to keep banging that drum. And we're all just going to have to deal with the resulting headache. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra concentrated, liquidless laundry detergent. It's the best of all worlds. Earth Breeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and your skin. So it's good for sensitive skin. It reduces plastic waste. All of these things are true and amazing, but let's get to the heart of it. Y'all know I have a laundry system. You know it revolves around training children as young as possible to do their own laundry. Earthbreeze sheets feels like they were invented for this. Because littles maybe sometimes struggle with those big, heavy jugs. Or maybe you worry about the pods, but here we go. Here we go, y'all. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets. It's like the perfect solution. A child as young as two can handle these sheets. And even with toddlers, like you can get them involved. And this is a way to get them helping with laundry even before they could do it themselves. Ugh, God, I love it so much. Right now, our listeners can receive 40% off Earth Breeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. That's earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. We do quite a bit of hosting here at the Silvers household, and I think there is nothing that completes a table for dinner. Like a beautiful loaf of bread and wild grain has made that so simple because they send gorgeous loaves of sourdough bread. Lots of spins on the ingredients, but always just this fantastic, high quality, easy to bake in 25 minutes or less from frozen bread that turns out perfectly every single time. I also have to tell you about the free croissants for life that come with your wild grain orders. And those croissants make the morning, your brunch, maybe your late night snack flaky and like you're sitting in a French cafe and they're just perfect every single time. That's what I love about Wild Grain. It's easy, it's consistent, it's fully customizable. It is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. For a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. You heard me, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit, or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, a.k.a problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. 
Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. So the other components of what I see as the Republican argument this year really relate to a message that we received from a listener, Bob. It was a really kind message. And Bob is not going to vote for a Republican candidate this November, even though he has for his entire life. But he said, while I'm convinced this needs to happen, I became concerned as I watched the DNC last week that I and others who make a similar choice this year are taking an irrevocable risk. We are risking having our more moderate to conservative views marginalized as the Democratic base exerts significant leverage in policies if they are given the mandate to govern and leave. If the Democrats retain control of the House and gain the majority in the Senate, what will motivate them to reach across party lines in order to pass legislation that would acknowledge those whose crossing party line votes put them in power? And I think that relates to the Republican economic arguments where they have the best parts of the convention to me are the small business owners, farmers, the people saying, hey, my business has thrived here and I'm concerned that my business will be threatened if we have Democrats and higher taxes and all the things. And Bob, I hear you. I also think it is important to consider the Obama years and the promise of those years compared to what actually occurred, because it's very illustrative of how difficult and slow change is. Now, I think a lot of that change is going to come roaring through if we have Democratic majorities in both chambers of Congress and a Democratic president and a pandemic that really necessitates an infusion of cash into the economy. There's no other way to say it. I think that resets the table. And I think just like the New Deal, a lot of that is irrevocable because once you put something out, unless it is explicitly temporary and everyone sticks to it being temporary, it is very, very difficult to roll it back. I also think what could occur with four more years of a Republican majority or even Republican majorities in both chambers or one chamber of Congress with a Democratic president could be irrevocable. Our failure to meet this moment will also have lasting consequences. You know, when they kept talking last night about how will America be America anymore, I thought, I don't even know what that means because every administration throughout history has fundamentally changed this country in some way. It's not like you go in and you just let the desk sit and dust collect on it. There, There is always some kind of transformation. And so to me, the question is, what kind of transformation are you willing to risk it on? Well, and I think the idea that it's irrevocable, I understand what you're saying. Like, it's a big machine. It's hard to turn. But since Ronald Reagan, the Republican Party has done a damn fine job of rolling back a lot of the New Deal and a lot of the great society. And we're living with the consequences. And like, if you feel like that's benefited you, that's fine. Vote your interest. But I think income inequality and the rising cost of health care and housing and student loans, like all of that to me says that the government needs to take a heavier hand if we want to protect the middle class, if we want to really address 
in a real sustainable way the racial reckoning that we're currently dealing with. Like, I just the idea that there's no radical change that has come from the Trump administration that the only radical change comes from the left. No, you don't keep things the same. Like, I think you promote the the ma- maintaining of the status quo if you're a Republican right now. But the truth is there are some really radical rollbacks. And, you know, the idea that Joe Biden is not a centrist, I'm sure is real frustrating to AOC and the squad who they like to cite so often. Like, that's what he's built his entire political career on. And maybe, like you said, like, we'll roll in and we'll get all the House, the Senate and the White House, and he will take some big reforms. But I think at the end of the day, no matter how progressive his reforms, Joe Biden believes in bipartisanship. You don't serve in the Senate for as long as he did and not, especially in a spouse it so much and accept the awards with John McCain and take heat from your own party because you believe in that so much and then just erase it on a whim. That changed him. I believe that. I think that there's I don't see a transformation of him away from all his centrist tendencies when he gets into office. But it's like you said, I mean, also predicting that is folly, right? Who knows what the situation or the world will require of him? Who knows how he'll respond? Who knows what will happen with the House and Senate? I think that's all important things to factor in. But I think the idea that you can ultimately make a final calculus is impossible. Well, we'll keep talking about these themes. There's a long march between now and November. Next week, we're going to get into the Senate races you should be watching on Patreon on the Nightly Nuance. We're going to be talking about congressional House races that you should be watching because there is a lot more on the ballot this November than who's the president and what the president can achieve depends a lot on those down ballot races. So Mm -hmm. join us here next week. We hope that you all take good care if you are in the path of harm right now. We are especially thinking of you and holding you close. Until we're back with you next week, keep it nuanced, y'all. Pantsy Politics is produced by Studio D Podcast Production. Elise Knapp is our managing director. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Our show is listener-supported. Special thanks to our executive producers, Tim Miller, Tiffany Hasler, Joshua Allen, David McWilliams, Allie Edwards, Martha Brunitsky, Amy Whited, Janice Elliott, Sarah Ralph, Barry Kaufman, Jeremy Sequoia, Lori Ladau, Emily Neasley, Allison Luzader, Tracy Putoff, Julie Haller, Jared Minson. To support Pantsuit Politics and receive lots of bonus features, visit patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics. You can connect with us on our website, pantsuitpoliticsshow.com, sign up for our weekly emails, and follow us on Instagram.